Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. I'm so glad you're with me today because we come to one of the most fascinating kings of all of the kings of the Old Testament. His name is King Asa. His story is found in 2 Chronicles chapters 14 to 16. And you know, my friends, I have to tell you, he is one of the saddest stories to me in all of the Bible. King Asa began so well, he relied on the Lord. He had 35 years of reigning Judah that God gave him great prosperity, great strength, great peace, very little war. But then in his 35th year, oh, what a disaster, what a mistake that he made. The Bible says that he refused to rely on the Lord. Friends, King Asa represents a life that starts out doing good, but doesn't finish well. The old saying is so true. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And King Asa represents that to us. I hope you learned so much from the Word of God today. Let's take our Bibles, let's go to Second Chronicles, and let's learn from the life of King Asa on this broadcast of Awakened to Grace. Second Chronicles chapter 14 today, we're going to continue our study of the kings of the Old Testament. Now, remember that we are going to walk through Second Chronicles, and I'll tell you the difference between the book of First Kings and Second Kings, First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. First and Second Kings is more of a historical account of the kings of Israel and Judah. However, while that is a historical perspective, First and Second Chronicles is more of a, it's more of God's perspective. It's a heavenly perspective. It shows the spiritual truths behind what the kings were doing, what they thought, and what their actions were. And because of that, there are amazing life principles that you and I can draw from the kings of the Old Testament. Now, last week we introduced... King Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam, if you remember, was the son of King Solomon. He was the grandson of King David himself. And you remember we talked about the kingship of Israel. It began with King Saul with only 12 loose tribes. It turned into a kingdom under David, a one united Israel. Solomon inherited the empire, and now Solomon led the entire kingdom. But remember, Solomon started out well, but he didn't finish well. Then the kingdom went to his son, Rehoboam. We called him Ray Ray last week. <laughs> well, Rehoboam did not do well. The Bible says that the kingdom split under Rehoboam. You had a north kingdom which is called Israel. That is not in terms of nationality. It's in terms of geography. 
The kingdom split and ten tribes are in the north, which is called Israel from here on out, and two tribes in the south, Benjamin and Judah. And instead, the south is called Judah. So from here on out, throughout the book of 2 Chronicles, which takes us from the division of the north and south kingdom all the way to King Nebuchadnezzar invading and taking over everything. What the south kingdom, Judah traces specifically, is the house, the lineage of King David. And if you read on, you're going to find through the kings, even though many kings acted very wickedly and God had all right to utterly destroy and remove them, there was one reason why God didn't. And do you know why? Because he made a covenant with King David that he was going to establish his house forever and ever. And as you march your way all the way through the Old Testament, and as you come to the glorious book of Matthew and the wonderful genealogy of Matthew chapter 1, do you know what we find? It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, that He came from the descendants of the house of David. Right here in this lineage that we are studying this summer. When you connect the dots like that, it's absolutely fascinating material. Now last week, we focused on Rehoboam, and we saw that Rehoboam did not set his heart to follow God. Rehoboam rejected wise counsel. Rehoboam oppressed the people and taxed the people, and he split the kingdom into into north and south. And Rehoboam, in the end, did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did not set his heart to follow God. After Rehoboam, in chapter 13, comes a king named Abijah. Abijah was the son of Rehoboam, and according to kings, Abijah struggled. He had his own struggles. He did well here in chapter 13. But now I want you to notice his son, and that's who we're going to study today, a man by the name of King Asa. Asa started out so well, but like so many others who live this life, Asa did not end well. Let's dig into his life this morning. And I pray God teaches you many principles, many things that you can apply to your very own life today. If you look in chapter 14, verse number 1, we are introduced to King Asa. And verses 1 and 2 of chapter 14 tell us Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He removed idolatry. He led Israel into a mighty revival that we see in chapters 14 and chapters 15. But the problem is, is that the older that King Asa got, the more proud he became, the stronger he grew, the more proud he became. In the end, Asa refused to repent. His fatal flaw was that he did not rely on the Lord. His fatal flaw is that he would not look to the Lord. His fatal flaw was that he would not repent when he needed to be. Asa represents someone today who starts out well, 
but doesn't cross the finish line, who refuses to keep a heart sensitive to the Lord. So verses 1 and 2, he removes idolatry from the land. He does what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And I want you to notice in verses 1 down to cha- into verse 10, all through this text, at least five times in chapter 14, the Bible emphasizes for 10 years, the first 10 years of Asa's reign, there was no war in the land. Five times he's going to emphasize there is no war. The realm of Asa is at rest. The land is at rest. There is peace. Over and over this chapter is going to emphasize that. But when we get down to verse number 10, all of that is about to change because now the Ethiopians are going to come against Judah. And this was no small army. This was over one million men. And I want you to pay attention to verse 11, all this by way of foundation. I want you to look at verse number 11, and I want you to see the amazing prayer that King Asa prayed. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a prayer filled with humility. It's a prayer of sincerity. It's an authentic prayer to the Lord. And Asa says in this prayer, in verse 11, God, we rely on you. Now, friends, that's going to be the thread of chapters 14, 15, and 16. Throughout all three chapters, we're going to see how Asa relied on the Lord. And then in the end, he stopped relying on the Lord. And they face this mighty army, these Ethiopians, and Asa cries out to God, and he says, God, you are the God between the weak and the strong. They are strong. We are weak. What can we do against this horde? And Asa says, God, we don't know what to do, but we rely on you. And the Bible says, not Asa fought the battle. The Bible says that the Lord fought their battle. And God delivered a great victory for Judah that day. And Judah goes in and they recover all of the spoil. They recover all of the plunder. And they bring all of these things back to Jerusalem with them. And God delivers a mighty victory. One of the greatest battles that Judah had ever faced. And God delivered the victory. And why did God do it? Because Asa was humble enough that he relied on the Lord. Now go to chapter 15 with me. In chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, I want you to pay close attention to this. What happens next is that The prophet of the Lord is going to come. Now, get the image in your mind. They're back in Jerusalem. They have all this plunder. They have all this spoil. One of the greatest victories in all of the history of Israel has just been completed by the Lord. And the people are ready to celebrate. And the Spirit of God comes on the prophet. And what does the prophet say? Verse 2. These are great words for you and I today. These are great words for our marriage. Great words for our family. Great words for our children and our parenting. Great words for our faith and great words for our spiritual life. And what does verse 2 say? The Lord is with you while you are with the Lord. 
You should underline that in your Bible. You should star it, asterisk it, put it in parentheses, make it jump out, highlight it. The Lord is with you while you are with the Lord. If you seek him, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. Wow. I want to talk for a moment. What does it mean for us to rely upon the Lord? I want to talk about what it means for your heart. I want to talk about what it means for your family to make a decision today that you are going to look to the Lord and you're going to rely on the Lord no matter what is ahead of the curve, no matter what comes down the pike, no matter what's down the road, no matter what you face, no matter what you fear, no matter what comes, you are going to rely on the Lord. Oh, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be someone that no matter what I face in life, nothing can shake my faith. I want to be someone that as God commands his blessings on my life. As God enlarges my territory and my borders. As God commands his blessings upon me. And as I grow in my faith and I grow to that full measure of the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as God's blessings increase about me. I want to be someone that I never stagger in my faith. That as my faith grows. My pride doesn't. Anyone with me today? I want God to be able to bless my life and be able to trust me with his blessings. The Lord is with you while you are with the Lord. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. If you forsake him, he will, con- he will forsake you. That's the word of the Lord from the prophet to King Asa. So what does Asa do? He responds unbelievably. I want you to look at verse number, verse number 12. Now remember in chapter 14, verse 11, Asa says, I rely on you, God. What an amazing prayer. If every one of us prayed that kind of prayer, how it would bless the heart of God. And then the prophet says, here's the condition. God will be with you while you're with the Lord. You forsake him, he'll he'll forsake you. And what happens? Asa in verse 12, I want you to look at what they do. They're going to make a covenant with the Lord. They're going to renew their commitment to the Lord. And a mighty revival is going to come into the land. Now remember what he's done. He's already removed the idolatry from his forefathers. And now the people, they're going to renew their covenant with God. The Bible says in chapter 15 that such revival was taking place in the south, in Judah, that many from the north defected down. They deserted the north. Multitudes were coming down to the south because they were obeying God. And God's blessings were all over the land. God's blessings were all over his people. And King Asa says, no, we're going to make a new covenant with the Lord. And listen to what verse 12 says. The Bible says, with all their heart and with all their soul, they decided to follow the Lord. Oh, I love that. With all their heart and with all their soul, they decided to follow the Lord. And look at verse 15 with me. With all their heart 
And the Lord became their desire. And look what it says. And the Lord was found by them. In other words, they had the presence of the Lord in their midst. Friends, let me tell you, there's nothing more precious to me in my life than the presence of God. I want his hand on me. Do you? I want his presence active in my life. I don't want to go off here and do my own thing and live in my own wisdom and and go about doing what I feel is good for me and never consulting the Lord. No, no, no. I want to invite his presence into my daily life. I want his guidance. I want his wisdom. I want his discernment. I want his plans and I want to know his purposes. And listen to what it says. When they made this covenant with God, God was found by them. If you go back up to verse 4, the prophet tells Israel, there's a time in Israel, there was no law being taught. Israel did not have teachers. Israel was in idolatry. And, And the Lord wants to be found by you. In other words, He wants His presence in your midst, but He must be welcomed. And when we come down to verse 15, Asa so responded, so responded to the word of God that the Bible says that God was found by them. God was in their midst. Oh, I have such an appreciation for that. What does it mean to rely on the Lord? God is with you while you are with the Lord. What does it mean to rely on him? If you look at verse 16, not only did they make a new covenant with the Lord, not only did they consecrate themselves and they renewed their covenant with God after one of the greatest battles that Israel had ever faced and God brought the victory. I mean, Asa is, he is right in the flow of God's will. He takes the queen mother who is idolatrous and wicked and evil and he removes her from being queen mother. Now, I don't know how you are with your mama, but most people are still scared of their mama even later in life, right? And he took her obscene and horrid images and idols. He tore them down. He smashed them and he burned them. Friends, revival had come. You know what is interesting to me about King Asa? Now say amen if you're with me right now. Asa was raised in a dysfunctional family. Asa was raised in a messed up home. Filled with wickedness, filled with idolatry. I want to say something today, because there's many of you that come from dysfunctional homes. And I'll be honest with you. I haven't ever done a counseling session yet that I've not found a family that somewhere, some way, somehow there's dysfunction in it. You, you, you want to discover some dysfunction? Read the way Jacob handled his sons in the Old Testament. Read how Isaac made decisions and what Rebecca did with their boys. Read what Abraham did with Hagar and with Sarah and Ishmael. And I, let me tell you, if there was dysfunction in the forefathers of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
You don't think there's not some dysfunction in your family line? Now, come on, say amen if you're with me right now. So don't act no victim, all right? It's everywhere. And you can overcome it, amen? Asa overcame it. I'm telling you by the authority of the word, you are not a product of your environment. You're a product of your choices. And Asa made the right choices. He determined, I'm going to set my heart toward God. He determined, I'm going to tear down the idols of my lineage. I'm going to tear down the idols of my past. And I'm going to keep my heart sensitive to the Lord. And it's in this amazing phrase of chapter 14, verse 11. Asa relied on the Lord. Oh, I want to rely on God. I don't want to rely on my family. I don't want to rely on what I grew up watching and seeing. I don't want to rely on how I was raised. I don't want to rely on mistakes that I've made. I don't want to rely on my human strength or on my frailty today. I want to rely solely on the Lord. And let me tell you, those of you who you will rely on the Lord, God has blessings waiting for you. God has help ready for you. You go to chapter 16, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro upon the earth, giving strong support to those who look to the Lord. Amen. Oh my. Oh, I want the Lord. I want his eyes to be upon me. I want, I want to have help from heaven, Psalm 57. I want help from heaven because I choose to rely on the Lord. What does it mean to rely on the Lord? Any of you familiar with the painter Norman Rockwell? He was famous for capturing just the spirit of Americana. Many wonderful paintings. You ever see the painting he did of the boy watching a baseball game? Rockwell painted this wooden fence with a knot hole. And he painted this little boy watching a game through the knot hole of a fence. You know what I think about when I consider Paul said, we see through a glass dimly. You know, that little boy couldn't, he didn't have the view that the crowd had, did he? We don't have the view that those who have already gone on ahead of us, the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, he didn't have their view, did he? He didn't have the view of the coaches and the players and the empire. No, his view was quite limited. You know what? When it comes to us relying on God and when it comes to us living a life completely dependent upon His grace and upon His guidance and upon His wisdom and His mercy, you know what? You and I have a very very limited view of our life. Can you say amen to that? The Lord challenged me today and rebuked me this morning. I was up very early, sipping my wonderful coffee. Amen. Praise God for it. And the Lord was telling me, Chad, tell the people today, you never go wrong relying on And a thought came to my mind. How many of you know we're human, aren't we? 
We're frail, aren't we? Didn't David say, God, remember that we that our frames are weak and we are but dust. Didn't David pray that? Lord, remember that we're but dust. Have you signed up for my weekly devotional email? Every Tuesday, I send out a devotion that will help you grow in your faith. Go to my website, awakentograce.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and when you sign up and submit your email, you'll get a direct message from me every Tuesday. Sign up today at awakentograce.com.